Hey everybody, welcome into the Haven Podcast. You could be listening to anything else in the world right now, but you are listening to me, and I appreciate that. Welcome into this week's TV and movie-focused episode, and we got, we got a couple little goodies to get to today, but just got done watching episode four of the last season of Game of Thrones, so I will have my review for you guys um, and my thoughts and feels about that episode as usual. Um, when we get towards the end of the episode, I'll make sure to give you a spoiler alert before I jump in and get too excited for that stuff. But let's start off on just the weekly comings and goings, if you will. So first off, I got to say happy late May the 4th be with you all. Um, always a great holiday. That's not really a holiday, but we and certain Star Wars fans do love and appreciate and adore. And it's always good when you have a, a day to reflect on arguably the greatest franchise ever created so happy may the fourth to all of you out there um with that said let's jump into the big headlines and this one's a doozy so to start off the bat it's official avengers endgame has crossed the two point billion dollar mark uh worldwide um to be exact the figure is 2.188 billion and i think that's as of like a couple hours ago that's official so it has become the second highest grossing film ever in movie history trailing only avatar i think it's like 600 million behind avatar so it probably won't catch that but it did surpass titanic and not not to take away from them and disney and everything like that but i thought when i saw this it dawned on me that james cameron had literally the first two slots now two of the top three slots of the highest grossing movies of all time with his films with avatar and titanic that is fucking insane to me. Like, no wonder this dude has like court. Bl- what's it? Now, what's the word I'm looking for? He just basically can just write his own his own ride. He can do whatever he wants and fucking make movies about going underwater if he wants to and exploring sea fish. You know, like it it doesn't matter. It's like that's nuts to me. And but props to Disney. Props to the Russo brothers for you know paying off on that in so many ways in that movie. I, it deserves all that it gets. But I think. I mean, I just don't, I don't, I can't comprehend us ever seeing a movie hitting this again. I mean, there could be something else that comes out down the road that builds up this hype with this type of payoff as Avengers Endgame has given us, but holy crap, like, I just don't, like, that is insane. You know there's studio execs out there that are like, we can have a $2 billion franchise too one day, and it's like, nah, man, this is one movie, this ain't even a franchise, this is considered one film that did all this, so... That's insane. And and keep in mind, too, like, compared to Titanic and Avatar, there is no way in hell that Avengers Endgame is going to have a theater run as long as these guys do. Because pretty much when you start doing two plus billion dollars worldwide, that pretty much tells me everyone, most mostly everyone underneath the sun has already seen this movie or seen it twice. Um, and I think I alluded to it the other day, too, on the video game focused episode. Uh, I was able to go see it uh, this past Thursday, finally uh, a second time in IMAX. And holy crap, it's just, it was like watching a completely different movie. It looked absolutely gorgeous and stunning. And it just added more to the cinematography of that film. And it just, just brought so much more out of it. I just noticed more stuff. Um, like, for example, well, I don't, uh, I be, like a uh, spoiler warning, I guess, if you haven't seen Endgame. 
But before the final battle began, seeing Ant-Man like in the background just so crystal clear as well as like the heroes were just there. You could see him more distinctly. And there's just so much more to it. It added such a great experience. And I actually could fucking hear everything this time, which was lovely. Um, the first viewing, I had a hard time hearing certain lines. So um, seeing it the second time, it was better for me, even the first. And that's saying a lot. I still stand by my A-plus rating of that film. But holy smokes, it was just uh, so good. The one thing I found myself doing, though, throughout the film was not staying in the moment. So I would see a certain scene or I'd be watching a scene and like, oh, OK, I know what's coming. I know what's going to happen. This is great. And I would be salivating and being in a state of mind of like, I can't wait till this scene's coming. That's coming right after it. And not really staying in the moment. That's the only thing. And that's on me. It has nothing to do with them. But I think it just shows you when you have a three-hour movie that's just packed full of just moments upon moments that are so well done and, and so thought out for the most part. I did notice some other new uh, plot holes or stuff done that really doesn't make sense. So another spoiler warning if you haven't seen the movie. Um, just like skip forward like 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and you'll miss over it. But in endgame towards the middle i think it's the middle of the second act you have the scene where nebula is abducted by thanos and his ship right so i'm sitting there watching this and i'm like what in the world like why doesn't she just like teleport to the like go back to the i don't the fucking the the tarmac thing like war machine her countdown he disappears and then she kind of freaks out because of the the thing with the server and her other past self conflicting it's like oh okay but she doesn't have time to run to her ship and call hawkeye and black widow to let him know thanos is coming and he knows what's up and she gets abducted like it takes her like three seconds tops to get out of there so why didn't she just do that if she did that thanos couldn't go back and or go forward in time for the end climax scene so i'm just I don't know. It was just stuff like that where you're like, eh, how did they miss that one? Like you could have easily written something in or shot something in that scene to get away from that not being like a kind of an obvious thing for her to do. So, yeah, it was just kind of like, eh, so stuff like that. And there's um, I think the other one, which is more of a gripe, if you will, is that um, they all come back to the pad at the same time, even though clearly we see in a previous scene when. Tony and Cap are like, hey, we're going to go back to the 70s to get the, not the Tesseract. Yeah, it's Tesseract. Um, they give the, the spec, or is the Mind Stone? Yeah, they give the Mind Stone, the Spectre, Scepter, Scepter? Scepter to Ant-Man. Like, hey, get back to HQ, buddy. We'll meet you there. He should have just gone. Would he just hang around New York City? Like, why did he arrive at the exact same moment in time that these guys did? It just so that's more me nitpicking. I get it because they want to have that cool shot with like Black Widow missing and everything. But yeah, it was just kind of like ah, there's some other stuff there. And I am still heavily actually. I would say I am more confused about the rules of time travel in this movie than I was the first time. And still confused about the Captain America thing. I saw the Russo brothers, they're doing a lot of press as well as the writers, and I they did say like, oh, Cap going back in time, you know, did create an alternate universe. And it's like, oh, okay, but again, how did he get back to that one point in time? And fucking Bucky knew. Bucky knew. Why did he say to him, I'm going to miss you, bud? Like, he fucking knew. Maybe he told him, I don't know, but he knew something was going on. And it was just like, there, there's definitely some more, like, questions I have about that stuff but regardless still a fantastic movie and still sad that it ends that first 
chapter or that first book of the MCU and stuff, but I'm very excited to see where they're going with this. And some of these plot holes are so obvious. And I think I said this on the review that they're setting this up for something else. Like they, there's a payoff to this. There has to be, there's, it just seems really lazy for Marvel and Feige to allow these plot holes to exist and just be like, eh, fuck it. We don't care. And fuck everybody. Like that just doesn't seem like they're bad, but we shall see. Now, Speaking of bad bags, going on to our next topic. Ooh, so Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie is a thing. Um, we've talked about it before. I think I mentioned like last year and we got our fir- uh, official first trailer and what's his face? Cyclops from Brian Singer's X-Men. He's in it. And I mean, I could sit here and crack jokes. and like, I, I wrote up like five pages of notes of jokes about this movie and how awful Sonic looks. Bottom line, the movie just looks terrible in itself. It does not look good. Um, it's feels like it's made by the same people that have been making video game or movies based off of video games for fuck the past 20 years. They just don't understand the characters. They don't know what's going on. And it's ridiculous. And the director came out because people were just fucking putting this fucking movie trailer through the rigor. He comes out and is like, hey, we hear you loud and clear. We're going to change the, the what how Sonic looks. And it's like, you need people to get upset and like, or just make fun of you completely in order for you to change it. How did you not see it? How did you not see that this was all bad? And you expect me to trust you or believe in you that you know how to make a good movie. And like Jim Carrey was like, fucking really? Like, uh, what? Like, who did he owe a favor to? Holy crap. Like, why would he do that movie? Like, ugh, looks awful just i don't know that just looks terrible i mean i mean the last time i went this strong on a movie was it shazam nah shazam i I think i had some issues with but well i still do but my point being like i can't remember the last time i mean no i mean that fucking sonic looks pretty terrible like it's bad it's uh, i think it's gonna be a shit show i'm going danny domus on this one so that that's your sonic news bit of the week folks i know you guys were probably just foaming at the mouth to hear me talk about sonic and how he looks like just some weirdo in a dried up furry costume (laughs) gross he looks looks fucking he looks terrifying too like god and like the thing is too I, i love when this thing comes out there's people like on twitter or on the internet they take like half of a day and they CGI or they copy and paste or go into Photoshop and they Photoshop Sonic. Like, hey, how about you make him look more like his video game character? And it looks a billion times better. And it's like, these guys did it with like how much less of a budget and half of the time, way actually way more than half the time and made it look better just like that. What were you thinking when you were doing these mock-ups? Like you take time. You pay people a lot of money to come up with these concepts and ideas of how they should look. And you came up with whatever that original thing is because that's not sonic the hedgehog i don't know what it is but it's not sonic so that's that's that today so um and then one quick industry note before we move on to uh my review of game of thrones episode four of season eight i don't know why i said it in a question mark type of fashion but yeah you guys because i'm trying to remember if it's season eight yeah it should be um so with that said uh sad news and i think actually this did come out originally on may the 4th um, original Chewbacca actor Peter Mayhew is dead at the age of 74 due to complications from a spinal surgery he had. Um, yeah, that's always sucks, you know, when you like, oh yeah, death sucks. <laughs> Don't fucking hate Danny. I have a little more, a little more sympathy, if you will. Um, no, that's that's disheartening when you have these idols or these 
you know, you, you start to learn about these actors or names who they are that are underneath the, the, the mask, if you will, of these beloved characters you grew up adoring and, and what have you. And this is a great example of that. And while he didn't come up with the voice, the iconic voice of Chewie, a lot of his mannerisms, the way he walks, the moves that set up not just the Chewie character, but became literally the backbone of backstory for the Wookiees within Star Wars. And so good for him. Amazing. And I think wasn't he an orderly? I think the story was at some hospital when George Lucas saw him and he's like, hey, you're tall. You're a tall man. I'm going to dress you up like a giant carpet and I'm just going to have you walk around and just be and be friends with a pirate. So um, that's that. And I don't know if you guys just heard that was a loud thud, loud banging. I swear if it's my my dog just fucking broke a wall, didn't he? Anyways. So with that said, guys, I'm going to go get ready. We're going to talk about Game of Thrones. I'm going to do a little pause break over here. So give you guys plenty of time to pause, come back and listen to it after you've watched this episode. Uh, and what have you, and I'll give my official review for the, the tonight's episode of Game of Thrones, episode four of season eight. I'll be right back. All right, you guys, it's time for the Haven Podcast's weekly review of Game of Thrones. So, episode four of season eight, we have two more episodes to go after this. So, um, finished watching about an hour ago or so what uh lot to unpack here so where to start with this they decided to go in a direction on this episode i actually wasn't anticipating i ended up when i think about it more i do like the decision they made you had this big epic battle that they've been you know planting the seeds for and building to for the previous seven seasons so it makes sense that you would give a break you would have the characters that are left to reconnect to have the characters that have lost someone dear to them to have some kind of moments of reflection and they did that i think they did that quite well the beginning when they are setting everyone on fire that they've lost from the previous battle that was uh, that was amazing and i really enjoyed that scene it was just everyone kind of taking a slice and just what they're feeling and their emotions but they know the their story's not done yet this the war, the big war is still to come, or the, the human war, the living war. So they have to keep it moving. Now, the celebration scene, I, you know, I like how it started off. And, you know, her going to the uh, Daenerys, you know, at the dinner saying, Hey, Robert Baratheon's bastard boy, you are officially the lord of the Baratheons, or, you know, that kind of thing. Help liven up the party. Everyone started having a good time from it. And I love that Daenerys scene where she turns to Tyrion and, um, you know, is like, Hey, I'm you're not the only one that's clever kind of thing. She's like planting those seeds of her rule. And that was very, very smart. Now, fast forward to the scene of Tyrion, Jamie, uh, her squire and Brienne, AKA captain Phasma and their drinking game. That was just fun. That was beautiful. That was a good heartfelt scene to kind of break up a lot of the death and ugh, the heaviness of what's been going on. And you have a lot of just, this has turned into this season a little bit and almost like a soap opera to me. Where it's just people looking at each other, just staring, giving side views, just giving, you know, like, uh, fucking catfight glances, and then they move on, and it's like, God, it's so passive-aggressive, everyone's so, like, you know, just talk out your feelings, man, and, like, you know, actually just lock yourselves in a room and figure it out, like, this is freaking insane. So, it, it kind of is going down that road a little bit. For me, so I wasn't too much of a fan. There's a lot of, like, scenes give a Daenerys a glare, and she's, like, you know lurking on the sidelines and it's like okay guys like 
come on, like, let's have some resolution here. So even through all of that and you start going through, and I love the scene when, um, the blacksmith, the new, um, yeah, the blacksmith kid, he goes to Aria, finds her and, you know, Hey, won't you celebrate? And she's just like popping off shots, you know, with her bow and arrow. Like, this is how I get down. It's how I celebrate, dude. I love that part of it. So true to her character and who she's become. And he's like, I'm going to come in this thing with my Lord title and I'm going to get some, I'm going to, I'm going to lock down that Arya booty. And she's like, no, 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 dude. Like fucking that ain't me. Yo, I ain't a lady. And I just, I loved it. And how she just kind of embraced him and just told him what's up. And she's like, I kind of got my own thing to do. And this is definitely not part of my destiny or my journey, my story. And I I love that scene. I would have been so disappointed if they had, if she was like, oh, we'll see what happens after the war and stuff like now, I'm glad she just closed that book. So, um, and then you start kind of going through and then we got boom, Captain Phasma finally getting some of that one handed Jamie booty. Good for her. Like that was just like, you have these two characters, one we've despised from the beginning, one we've just like, damn, she has a rough break of things. And both of them just finally coming together, embracing each other. And while that did not last long, apparently, it was still nice to see that. And, and it's like, okay, this makes sense for this to happen because they've been building towards it. And it's it feels organic. It doesn't feel forced. So as we go through the storyline, Daenerys is still, you know, hell-bent on taking the throne. And it kind of goes back to my theory. I think I talked about it in the first or when I reviewed the first episode. I don't know if they are just showing their hand too much, but I feel like it has to be a misdirect. It seems too on the nose, but definitely it feels like, okay, they're going down the road of like Daenerys and the Mad Queen. Like, and we see it towards this episode when we get towards the end, which it picked up action wise. I was not expecting that. I thought they were definitely just going to do more planting of seeds and trying to hopefully tie up some loose ends, which they did a little bit of, I I think, but you know, jumping forward in the review to like towards the end when they're writing to King's Landing to like, hey, let's have our final showdown with Cersei and the Lannister family. It was just awesome seeing her dragon get pelt by those giant, you know, arrows um, from what's his face, the crazy pirate guy's uh, armada and just dropping the dragon in the water. It's like, oh shit, now she's down to one and she's trying to like, I'm going to go in there and she pulls back and then her fleet gets wiped out. And then you see her, I don't know, like her translator assistant lady that's messing with what's-his-face, the guy that leads her army with the, with the no genitalia. And that was a great scene. He's freaking out where is she, and then we find out, boom, Cersei and her army were able to get her hands on her as a POW. So kind of going, now jumping backwards, this is probably not the best way to do it, but I, I had some issues with how they did some of the wrap-up. And what I mean by that is John is getting the army of the North and there was a cool meeting discussion at the table between all like the, the major players. Right. And Sans is telling Daenerys like, Hey, can our guys chill out a little bit before you march? They're tired. And she's like, Oh, would you know, like I came out here and I lost so much to back you guys in your fight, you know, and what now you're going to kind of pull back on me a little bit. And it's like, well, I don't know. I just think Daenerys is going down the mad queen kind of thing. And I don't know if that's, done intentionally to kind of be a misdirect but she's definitely going down this road where now she's becoming kind of very unreasonable and almost to a sense for me personally kind of unlikable like 
her decisions and choices she made this episode and her reasoning behind it seem extremely unreasonable to me. It's not the character that, you know, we've grown to know and really adore throughout the series where she's supposed to be the chosen one, the one that does the opposite of all the tyrants. And she's aware of that. I mean, she has a line where she's like, I came here to not be a tyrant or stop the the lineage or the history of tyrants. And it's like, oh well, yeah, but you're going to go to a, a major town and burn everyone to a crisp, like thousands of people that are innocent. Like, like, do you, are you not listening to yourself? Like, so is this kind of like, uh, it's almost like she's tone deaf. So I think that's just like, I don't want to say lazy. It's just, it doesn't make sense from her character's percept perception and what they've experienced and gone through. Cause she has such a history of proving that when the stack, when the cards are stacked against her and her backs against the wall, and it looks like the only decision to make is to be, this person she's trying to stop, she finds a way. That, like that's her been her thing for the most part, um, throughout her arc on the show. So why all of a sudden is she just like, oh, I'm throwing that shit against the wall. I don't care anymore. It's because she's so close to her goal. Like, I just wish they would do a little bit more to kind of explain that. And as far as wrapping up certain storylines go, I assume they did. You had the fiery ginger red of the wildlings, who you know really good relationship with John. That's always I love seeing those guys interact because it's it's this it's this friendship, you know, this brothership between the two of them. And he's just like, deuces, dude, you still got a war to fight. That's great. I'm heading North or South or wherever the fuck he was going. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the, to the homeland. I got to roam free. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like your best buds going to go lay siege. Glad you're there. So I don't know if he's going to show up like in a surprise. Yeah. I'm here with my wildling armies and we marched uh, South to King's Landing to help you. But I was kind of like, oh, all right, that's how you're ending his arc, I guess. Okay. And then, like, Sam, you know, shows up like, oh, I got Gilly pregnant. I'm not a cuck anymore. And it's like, oh, okay, that's that's Sam's arc, everybody. And Bran's still creepy as fuck in his wheelchair. <laughs> Jesus God. Like, I, I do not appreciate or have – I have no love for Bran's character of him becoming just a weirdo. Um, none whatsoever because the Three-Eyed Raven was not like that, uh, the guy he took the mantle from. But my point being, then you then we come to Ghost. I gotta I gotta vent a little bit about Ghost. So I, I I love Ghost. Maybe it's because he looks like a bigger version of my dog. I have no idea. But I just think, oh, he is just a dire wolf. He is just oh, so cool looking, right? They have, in my opinion, misused him so severely the last couple of years. I don't know if it's a lack of budget or they don't know what to do with him. But his CGI. It, for my eye has been fucking horrendous. He looks so out of shot, out of frame with everything they do. It's literally in post that they had like some intern just copy and paste ghost and just drag and drop him into the frame. Be like, ah, it looks good. Huh? looks great. And they're like, no, it looks horrible. It looks awful. Kills the scene. And there's nothing for me when they do show him, he survived the battle. Cause he just disappeared. And I'm like, where was he at? Why isn't you like, you could have had so many cool moments to give people hope and just like that thrill of the living winning the fight against the dead <clears throat> where he could show up at any moment alongside John because they, they've kind of discarded this this bond, this friendship that's tied to the owner and the dire wolf. And they've kind of just thrown it like, ah, fuck you. Like, let's throw it in the trash. Let's, you guys want to see dragons, right? And it's like, well, yeah, but like, I like the dire wolf, dude. Like, what's his arc? You know, like, he may be a dog. He can't talk, but there's still a lot you could do with him. And so he just seems so out of place. And then 
John says to the his wildling buddies, like, yeah, take Ghost with you. He'll be happier there. And it's like, no, I think Ghost's going to be happier hanging out with you and making sure you're okay. You know, like, the whole time when you were murdered and he's staying by your bedside the whole time and made sure no one touched you or got weird with you because, uh, boom, he was trying to protect you. So there's just a lot of like, wow, why the fuck are they missing? Like, I don't know. They, it seems like a missed opportunity at the end of it. So I, and it was cool cause you see ghost and his ears all jacked up. So he lost an ear in the fight and you're like, Oh, he's still alive. He needs a bath. Cause he is filthy. But my point being like, is that how you are going to end his arc or end his story? Like he just goes there. I, I hope not. That's really like, ooh big big missed opportunity on a whole lot of levels and it's and i understand the stories about john it's about denarius and you know their relationship on kind of where it's going but i don't know it's just a misused character like we've grown to know and love all these characters so give them the proper send-off give them the proper finish and not just do it for the sake of doing something is is my point and that goes for the wildling guy too and sam like is that the end of it so and the other pattern that i'm starting to see with game of thrones as i'm looking at this so we have two episodes left. They're about uh, an hour and 20 minutes each, right? I don't know if they're going to able to pull this off. I have this just weird gut feeling, and I hope I'm wrong, that they are going to finish everyone's story. They're going to wrap things up. But because they're pressed for time, it feels like, because I'm just looking at this from a writing standpoint, I'm like, how are you going to do the major Cersei battle, the overthrow, the aftermath, wrap everyone's story arcs up in two episodes. So say what three hours, if they're an hour and a half each, which they're not, but let's say three hours, you're going to do all that. Really? That you've spent seven years building up. You're going to do all that in three. Like, I mean, Avengers Endgame did it, but you don't get the Russo brothers and Kevin Feige working on your project. So I think we're, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I have this just weird gut feeling that when it's all said and done and we look back on the season, we're like, there were some cool moments, but ooh, some of these characters, like the way they wrapped up their story was very quick. It was very unfulfilling. And I think they're just kind of, I hope they don't run out of time and they, they take their time to, to do this properly. I just don't see how they can do that. Um, Cause you have so much left to, to do that if it feels too forced and too, fast is just going to fall it's going to be ugh, whatever to us and that's the problem so yeah I, we'll, we'll see what happens with the next two episodes um i assume the next one's going to be the cersei battle and everything like that but as far as this goes and like i said just yeah this definitely wasn't my favorite episode i'll put it that way there's a lot of stuff that didn't sit well with me and not being able to see almost 45 minutes of the major battle from last week's also it was kind of like a huge well, like what the hell are you what's going on here and uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else big in the episode. Yeah, just Daenerys' thing is just really bothering me. Like, I get it. She, like, lost her dragon. She lost her advisor and everything. And that's going to set her off a bad path. Like, okay, that I can work with that. But her just talking with John in the room, just being completely unreasonable, I think. Like, just convinced. No, this cannot work. They're going to be so against... They're always going to vote for you. Like, what's the big deal? Like, what what's what's the problem? Like, swallow your pride a little bit. And if you have someone that's good with you, that is going to keep you in check and help you be the best that you can be as a queen for these seven kingdoms, which has been your destiny, then why not take the help and, and show a unification? You can have peace throughout everything, but you're not doing that. Why? So, yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes. But I will say, like, at the end when Tyrion 
is at the city walls and he walks past uh, Cersei's hand, the, the crazy scientist guy. And he starts talking with her, trying to plead and reason. You're just like, oh, this is not going to end well. This is going to be horrible for the advisor lady. Oh, my God, this is going to be really fucking bad. And just like, oh, her head getting chopped off by the mountain, her body dropping. It's like, it's those scenes. It's those moments they do in Game of Thrones that makes it so unique and different from the way they set it up. They build to it, and then they show it to you. It's like, we need more of that. We deserve more of that. You, you've you've done so much of the hard work already. So why don't don't rush it, you know, and stuff. So I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next two episodes. But I think this was the one of the season so far. I was very just like, Ugh, there's some stuff I really liked. And then, oh, and then Jamie. That was the thing with Captain Phasma. It did not last long. He just like, what was that? Like, I'm going to get on my horse and go to go with Cersei because I'm a bad person. I'm a horrible person. And it's like, okay, like, what, what where is this going? Like, what is it about? I guess I didn't understand why he felt compelled to ride off and get involved because Daenerys's army got wiped. Like I, I don't under, I don't get it. Does he think he's gonna stop this slaughter within the city of innocence and everything like that? Like I'm just I'm super confused by his arc of where his head's at with everything right now. So I need some explaining on that one. But that's gonna do it for my review for this episode of Game of Thrones. So we'll see what the next two weeks hold. But um, with that said, guys, that's actually going to do it for me for this week's TV and movie-focused episode. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it for you. As usual with the props, um, if you enjoyed what you heard or even if you're about it, lots of ways you can help support the podcast and help it grow. Some of them are recommending it to friends and family, but also by commenting, rating, review, subscribing, blah, 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 all that bullshit on your podcast listening platform of choice. And what did you think of this episode of Game of Thrones? Let me know. Send your questions to thehavenpc at gmail.com. Or you can connect with us over on the Mixer if you're into live streams of video games. Or on our official Instagram page. And as always, links in the description of this episode to, to help show you, guide you, if you will, on how to connect with us there. So with that said, guys, going to do it for me. Um, I will talk to you guys this upcoming Friday for our weekly video game episode. Hopefully we got some rumors that's going on, but in a little teaser for you on next week's episode of TV and movie focus episode, I will have my official review for Detective Pikachu. Very, very excited for this movie, believe it or not. I bought the tickets today, going to go see it opening night. Cannot wait to see this. Um, so far, the reviews have been really good for it. We'll see how it is, but I think maybe finally we will have our very first movie based off of a video game that's actually good. That actually does not make me want to, you know, as soon as I step out of the theater, run in oncoming traffic and just or drop to my knees like Platoon as the camera pans above me and yell why. Like, I don't understand how do they get this so wrong. So thank you again, you guys. And I will talk to you this upcoming Oh, this upcoming Friday, right? Yep, great. So take care. Have an amazing work week, and I'll talk to you guys then.